We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. All right, what's going on, Hornets fans? Welcome into another episode of Buzz Beat. We are your go to Charlotte Hornets podcast for deep analysis, and you can find us on the Blue Wire Network. Just search Buzz Beat and or Blue Wire into iTunes or Spotify. And again, we always appreciate your reviews as it does help us grow. On the last two episodes, Brian Spencer and myself graded every player on their performance during the 18-19 season. So if you haven't caught those yet, definitely give those a listen. On today's episode, we have a very special guest who was just recently hired by the Charlotte Hornets as the new radio play-by-play guy, John Fokey. We're going to get into a little bit of him and his background and some of his initial thoughts on this roster. Uh, first off, John, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Have you made the transition from Minnesota to North Carolina yet or visited Charlotte uh, other than being hired with the Hornets? Are you still in Minnesota? Uh, I am, and you guys might be shocked because there's some sun. You can see some sun <laughs> here, but uh, we do get it occasionally, at least in a couple of months of it. Um, we have not made the, the full transition yet. In fact, I got some people coming in to look at uh, look at our apartment here today um, to, to check it out. And so I'll make the transition by the end of the month, and then uh, my wife and dog will follow uh, a couple weeks after that once once we kind of get everything squared away. Yeah, John, I figured in Minnesota you just have a bunch of hockey rinks behind you. That's supposed to sound. That was sort of my general assumption. Well, we, we are about two blocks from one. There's a lake about two blocks from here that they – they literally clean off and they put boards on and there's a warming house and it's pretty much just hockey nonstop as soon as it <laughs> freezes. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So, John, it looks like you have worked basically for all the teams in Minnesota with the Wild, the Twins, the <laughs> Lynx, the Timberwolves. Was your ultimate goal to do play-by-play for an NBA team or was there another sport that you preferred kind of when you entered this profession? You know, when I first got into it, uh, I've wanted to to call NBA games for as long as I can remember. I mean, probably since I was about eight, nine years old. And and it all started, I've told this story a number of times, but uh, it it started way back when, when I was supposed to be up in my room doing homework. And instead, I had this little like black and white TV radio combo thing that I wanted a carnival. And I was watching the Bulls-Pistons Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know, at that point, you're still young enough that you feel like you can you can play in the league, but obviously those dreams were dashed pretty quickly 
but I just remember watching the beginning of that game and, and Marv Albert came on, he was setting the stage and I just thought, man, Marv's got the best job, doesn't he? Like he sits courtside for every big game. And I was like, I want to sit courtside for every big game. <laughs> so literally it was like from that stand, uh, from that point on, you know, the NBA was my favorite league and I, I started pursuing it from there. Obviously it took some twists and turns and I ended up doing some sports that, you know, I hadn't originally set out to do, but found a passion for those as well. But in the end, you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to work my way back, uh, to the NBA, work my way back to Minneapolis and to the NBA and the WNBA, and then get an opportunity, you know, to call pro hoops consistently on the WNBA side, which, you know, was absolutely outstanding covering that league and, and covering that team specifically. I mean, four championships in seven years, uh, some of the best players that the, the league has ever seen all playing together on the same team at the same time. And it was incredible. And, you know, I had an absolute blast doing that with the, with the Lynx and the Timberwolves. And then obviously when this opportunity presented itself, it was something that I had to, had to jump on. So super teams exist in the WNBA as well. Okay. So I uh, <laughs> learned that. I didn't know that. Was there something specific about Charlotte and or the Hornets that kind of made this job appealing to you because you've always been in that, you know, that Midwest Minnesota region? Uh, was there anything, you know, specific about this organization that made it more appealing? They had an opening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, uh, you know, you think about the NBA and you think about uh, radio and TV broadcasters, those guys stick around for a long time. And, and yeah. you certainly saw that with Steve Martin and, you know, how he, is, uh, on the radio side and the TV side, is really woven into the fabric of the team. And these opportunities don't come around very often. And so, you know, when, when one of them opens, even though, you know, I, I'm not from Charlotte, I don't have ties to Charlotte, uh, it, it was something that I, I felt we, you know, we had to pursue um, because it was an opening. And, and it was that next step that you're always trying to get to. So, you know, if the opening came in Charlotte or if it came in, you know, any other NBA city or, or anywhere, I think, you know, every broadcaster would tell you that uh, they would go after it because these jobs are, are so rare. All right, John, uh, you've worked with the Lynx since 2012. Do I have that correct? Uh, that's when I started calling okay. play by play for them. I've worked Got for it. them since 2008. Okay, gotcha. So you were there for all seven championships. So I guess my thing would be, is there is there any chance you could bring some of that championship luck down to Charlotte <laughs> with you? We'd really appreciate it if you could bottle that up and bring it down. I don't I don't know. It, that feels like an intangible thing, but if it if you could just figure out some way to when you and the dog and the wife uh, move south, if you could figure out a way to harness that and bring it with you, uh, well, we, we would really Jimmy appreciate Wolf it. Fans are still trying to get me to bring that over to uh, <laughs> That's their side as well. That's a good so. point. I haven't uh, I haven't been able to, you know, help help spread that. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, that, that Lynx squad, I mean, in a seven year run to win four championships like they did and to dominate the league. I mean, we look at what the Golden State Warriors are doing and it's incredibly impressive. Um, and basically, you know, for that that run, the Lynx were the Golden State Warriors of the WNBA or, you know, maybe a, a better one would be the San Antonio Spurs. Um, just because of the way they continued to evolve their game. And, and the Warriors did to a certain extent mm-hmm. as well. When they added Kevin Durant, you have to change some things. When you add DeMarcus Cousins, you have to change some things. And, you know, with the Lynx, they started out really being centered around Lindsey Whalen and, and Simone Augustus. And then, 
you know, Maya Moore develops and she becomes a go-to. And then in 2015, you bring in Sylvia Fowles and you adjust to having a dominant big and, and players playing off of it. So, you know, they, they followed the, uh, you know, the, the same kind of line that those consistent champions in San Antonio and Golden State followed and just constantly evolving and, and adapting to their personnel and finding ways to be successful. All right. So all of us on this podcast, obviously we, we, we cover and we follow the Hornets, but I think the three of us, Richie Spencer and myself, we're all just hoops junkies, league pass junkies. Um, if you're a, if you're a league pass person, everyone knows the best color guy in the biz or one of the best, you know, I like Marcus Johnson with the bucks a lot. Obviously Del Curry down in Charlotte's good too, but Jim Peterson, like if you're a league pass junkie, Everyone, you got to watch Benz and Peterson, Dave Benz and Jim Peterson. Like that's their, if you're a stats junkie like myself, like that's where you go to those guys. You want to listen to those guys talk about hoops, life, whatever. I'm assuming you've crossed paths with Jim, both with the Timberwolves. And obviously he was an assistant with the Lynx for a little while too. Do you have a good Jim Peterson story by any chance? Oh oh man. Um, Well, it's funny. I just ran into Jim T yesterday. I was walking my dog around the lake and uh, (laughs) ran into him and and just had a great chance to talk with him. Um, I've got a million Jim Pete stories, uh, but I think the best was, you know, traveling with him on the, on the Minnesota Lynx side, you really get a chance to, we we spend a ton of time at airports because he Mm -hmm. flies commercial. And so, you know, that group was, was such a family in that, you know, we'd go out to eat, whether it was, you know, uh, myself, Claire DeWilliams, our, our assistant general manager, uh, the coaching staff, you'd always be going out to eat, whether at the airport or after games, when we get to certain cities, we all had favorite restaurants in different cities. And so I always went to, uh, always went out to eat with Jim Pete and we used to call him left side of the menu because that guy, uh, I mean, he just had an incredible appetite. And so you'd say, Jim, what do you want? And it was just the left side of the menu, you know, he would, he, he would, uh, he would take us to the best restaurants. He would order a ton of food. So we all got to try a bunch of different stuff. And he was a tremendous, uh, tremendous guy to travel with. And, you know, just a tremendous resource along with, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of that coaching staff and certainly Cheryl Reeve. But, you know, the times where you're on the bus and, and I can just be like, hey, Jim, what were you trying to do here? You know, and mm-hmm. Jim would, would explain it to me or, um, you know, after shoot around, like seeing them run through something and pulling Jim aside and saying, hey, what? What are you trying to get to here? You know, he just he and Cheryl Reeve and Shelly Patterson just did a great job of really expanding my understanding of the game. I mean, when you call a game, you know, a lot of the time you're just tracking the ball, but you don't get to kind of step out and see mm-hmm. what all five players are doing. And, and Jim, Cheryl and the rest of that coaching staff uh, did a really good job of, of helping, you know, my knowledge of the game and my understanding of what teams are trying to do. Uh, it just made it a lot better. Uh, that's really neat. I I don't know if I were you, man. I don't know if I would move if Jim Pete was my was my neighbor. Honestly, uh, I would just be like stalking his house, trying to talk hoops the whole time. But uh, speaking of Coach Pete, I heard him. I want to say it was maybe a year and a half ago. He was on uh, the Low Post with Zach Lowe, and he was sharing some link stories. And he was mentioning after one of the title years how. Everyone on the team was invited back to a late night at Prince's house. Were you a part of that late night? Were you invite? Were you cool enough to get invited to that late night, <laughs> that late night concert at Prince's place? Well, I don't know if I was cool enough to, but I was. I, oh, I was invited. That's awesome, um, man. Yeah, it was. It was incredible. It was the 2015 WNBA championship. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
The Lynx clinched in five games. It was the first time that they'd clinched at home. The 2011 and 2013 titles were both on the road. And that finals, I don't know if you guys recall it, but in game three, series was tied 1-1. Game was at Indiana, and Maya Moore hit the game-winning shot. I mean, and it was like an iconic top of the key. There were so many different, like, memes and stuff of, you know, the Jordan shot against Utah, the Maya shot against Indiana, like both held the pose, the crowd, everything. Like it was just fantastic. And, you know, we got on the bus afterwards and the, the arena was just a couple blocks from the hotel. So a lot of players just walked past or walked back, but uh, Prince had tweeted that night. Um, <laughs> and it just said, Maya Moore, that is all. And so <laughs> the only player to get on the bus that night was Maya. And I turned to Maya and I said, hey, Maya, Prince just tweeted about you. And she goes, what? And I showed her the tweet and she goes, wow, Folky, does, do you think that means I made it? And I was like, you're Maya Moore. Of course you made it. Um, but Prince was, Prince was invested in, in both our franchises. So he was at game five yeah. when, the, when the Lynx did clinch it. And then, yeah, afterwards invited everybody out. And it's funny, I almost didn't go because it had been such a long season and mm-hmm. You know, game five and the Wolves, the Wolves are already in the midst of the preseason. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, man, this is like, we're going to have to, we got a lot of work to do, you know? Um, <laughs> and my wife looked at me and she said, if you don't go to that party, like, I am going to disown you, basically. <laughs> She's like, if I can't go, you better go. So yeah. uh, she took my my computer and everything home and I popped her, uh, caught a ride with a buddy out there. And, uh, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I think I left at four 30 when Prince walked off stage to four 30 in the morning. And a couple of guys I work with were just like hanging out, like deciding whether or not to call an Uber. And one of the guys from the band came up to him and they said, Hey, you know, thanks for having us out here. And he said, Oh, Prince isn't done. He just went to go get a sandwich or something. And he came back and he played for like another 45 minutes. Those guys didn't leave until almost like six in the morning. So That's I mean, incredible. The, yeah, the story is about him. They're, they're legendary. And, you know, having been a part of that one, it's like you just you begin to believe all of them because yeah. you know of having that experience. It's, it literally is once in a lifetime. Um, all right. Focusing in it back to hoops as opposed to some of its uh, most famous fans. Uh, you know, you're from Minnesota, Big Ten country. Uh, you know, the, the Hornets roster could be have could be in flux a little bit this summer, but regardless of what happens with Kemba or some of these other players, clearly one of the main figures going forward for the Hornets is Miles Bridges. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you obviously you probably saw the Hornets at least twice against the Timberwolves, but maybe even I know you're busy covering pro sports. Maybe just again being being in Big Ten country, maybe you saw Miles play over those two years Michigan State. But just any thoughts on on his growth, maybe over the last couple of years or. Or, or how you see him, his fit uh, going forward as a player in Charlotte? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, from what I've been reading, people are very excited about him. And, mm-hmm. and certainly there's, there's a ton of optimism. I just love the way, you know, you watch how he evolved and really how that young group evolved. I mean, um, I feel like Devontae Graham and Dwayne Bacon, like those mm-hmm. guys along with, with mm-hmm. Miles, uh, they've got a great little group there. And when you look back at, you know, the final couple of weeks of the season, really, I think it was, I believe it was like the final 12 games where they really went to that youth movement and put the ball in those guys' hands and gave them opportunities. It was really fun to watch. And I know we, we kept our eye on that team a lot at the end of the season, obviously, because we're tracking, you know, who's going to end up getting that eight spot in the Eastern conference. And, and Charlotte had that great run and put themselves in a position 
um, unfortunately, they needed some help, obviously, at the end, as you guys mm-hmm. know. But uh, I, I've been impressed with him. I've been impressed with that young group. And, you know, you're right that there are a lot of questions with, you know, some of the, the, the bigger names in Kemba and Lamb, et cetera. But um, I think certainly there's a lot of optimism around what we saw those guys do and really how they and the team was seemingly playing their best basketball at the end of this season, which is really what you want each and every year out of your team. All right, so let's kind of stay in the lane with this roster, this team, Charlotte, where you're getting ready to come. You know, I'm sure – well, you were talking about the youngsters just a minute ago there. If there's something this summer with this roster, and it's a big summer for this team, outside of re-signing Kimball Walker um, that you you can kind of shine a light on and say, this is really important to me looking ahead for the Hornets. Is there something that you kind of circle, circle or really focus in on? Yeah, it's interesting. I think, um, obviously, you know, you want to figure out what, what you're doing with some of those guys that we just talked about. The other thing is, and you guys know this league, I mean, you can never have enough three-point shooting, right? And, and you can <laughs> never have enough. Um, I think perimeter defense is is really key, and we've seen that here in Minnesota in that, you know, one of the bit ways to defend three-point shots is you've got to limit penetration because uh-huh. the minute you start, you know, the minute a guy starts penetrating, that forces rotation over. Suddenly there's a kick out, it's a swing swing, and you've got a wide open three from the corner or from the angle. And so, you know, so much of it too, when you talk about plays like that, and then the ensuing offensive rebounds, which basically it seems like for some teams is a huge part of their offense. You, mm-hmm. you know, get yourself in a position where you got the defense scrambling, shot goes up, offensive rebound kick out to, you know, what what Coach Tom Thibodeau always called the dagger three, those in rhythm, often offensive rebound threes. And so you look at that and so much of it is, is predicated upon penetration as a guy gets into the paint and forces the defense to collapse. Suddenly as the shot goes up, you're scrambling to put a body on somebody, offensive rebound, extra possession, um, you know, that can kill you. And so certainly I think every team is going to be looking to add or develop that perimeter defense and, you know, especially guards the rebound too, because more and more, uh, you're seeing those long rebounds and the tip outs and you've got to have guards that are, you know, keenly aware of that and, and can make those plays. And, you know, if you get the initial stop, I think any coach will tell you, you got to finish it with the defensive rebound. And so, you know, I think those are areas that whether it's Charlotte or any team, you want to improve your perimeter defense and, and find guards that are, you know, rebound ready type guards. Sounds like we could uh, we could probably hire you here in Charlotte to maybe be an assistant coach as well. Yeah, you you, you, you have spent some time around Peterson, man. Listen to that. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm fortunate between Jim Pete and I've got a brother who's a college coach, and you know, just years and years of of watching and and listening and being around all these coaches that. Um, you can't sit down and have a meal with these people without salt shakers being moved around and water glasses <laughs> for other guys. So yeah, you certainly you, you get you get sucked into it right away. Well, that's awesome, John. We really appreciate you coming on. Um, really excited to have you down here in Charlotte. Hopefully, we can uh, we can get Kemba Walker back for you and some more exciting uh, entertainment on the floor there. But good luck with the move. Um, definitely contact us when you get down here. We'd love to have you back on the podcast uh, sometime next season. And, uh, and again, good luck with everything. Really happy to have you in Charlotte here. Absolutely. Thank uh, Thanks, guys. It was great talking to you. Yep, definitely. Thanks, John. Have a good one. All right, guys. Let's talk about something real quick. This is something I'm actually excited to tell you about because I actually used this product. 
All right, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a, ver- on a value trial set, which includes five, a five-blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough of the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for just $3. It's a great product. I use it too. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire. All right, turning the page over to the off season. As you guys know, we sort of concluded the 2018-19 season by doing player grades on the last two episodes of the podcast. We've already done some prospect discussion, but we're going to hit two guys that we've yet to talk about so far this year. I'm going to start it off here first with Jackson Hayes, the freshman big from Texas, and uh, Spencer's going to hit uh, Grant Williams here too. But a little bit more on Hayes. Um, I like this guy as a prospect a lot, just right off the bat. 6'11", Big, huge wingspan, well above seven feet. I'll be curious to see if he if he measures the combine, what he does measure at. Texas had him listed as 220. You know, you can imagine he's probably bigger than that. Not an explosive, super explosive athlete, but man, fluid and graceful. Um, and and this is a guy that can looks like a, a you know just a, a center that can really play in the NBA, especially on the defensive end. Athletically, I was trying to think about this earlier, like. There's some sort of spectrum amongst seven foot centers between like a Cody Zeller type and a DeAndre Jordan type. And I feel like Jackson Hayes is one of those guys, um, one of the youngest uh, prospects. He won't turn 19 until the end of May. So he'll be barely 19 when the draft happens at the end of June. Um, and not a super high recruit, uh, most, mostly a football player uh, until a couple of years ago. And now he's really started going all in on basketball, but like, Similar to how like John Collins was a couple years ago, like not a top, you know, borderline top 100 recruit. Um, 22 minutes a game, 10 points per game, five rebounds, 2.2 blocks per game. Shot 73% from the field, which was seventh nationally. This guy, like I said, big frame, uh, can really block shots. 3.8 blocks per 40 minutes. The only thing with him, like a lot of young bigs, you know, he wants to block shots. So he's he's sort of not as opposed to anticipating shots at the rim, you know, he's, he's just looking to swat stuff. 5.7 fouls for 40 minutes. He's got to get better at that sort of stay on his feet, let it, letting his length do the, do the job for him overall, a pretty raw prospect, but I like this guy a lot. And with him offensively, and I think defensively to, to an extent too, it really starts with what he does in the middle of the court in the pick and roll. Um, not a great screen setter, but man, he, He's agile and fast when he does turn and get, you know, he needs like, he needs like a summer studying from Cody Zeller as to how to like actually set screens. But man, once it gets going downhill, um, he's pretty special. Uh, 1.56 points per possession, 
on slips to the basket or basket rolls this season, 84% shooting. And on just straight pick and roll basket rolls, 1.5 points per possession, which was number three nationally, 82% shooting. And like Texas, their guards, they throw it up, they lob it to them. Um, like I said, long, graceful jumper, good hands, can really catch some tough passes. And he can finish above the rim with his length. Like he's, he's pretty special at it, I think. Had 74 dunks this season. One of seven guys in Division One basketball, along with Zion Williamson, that had at least 70 dunks this season. And I think staying in the pick and roll, one of the things that you're going to see discussed with this guy a lot is his ability on to on the short rolls to make plays in space. So like when he sets a screen and rolls into space, he can put it on the floor from 20, 18, 20 feet and get to the rim and he can make a drop off pass. And he only had nine assists this season. So it feels a little funny to be like talking about his passing acumen, but he, he had some like, go watch some tape on him. He's got some nice drop off passes and I think that's like a an upside area for him. He has grab and go potential in transition. I just think there's some fun upside for him offensively, along with what he's already bringing to the table uh, on defense. You know, again, like I said, nine assists and almost 800 minutes of action. It's not great, but I think there's a chance for him to be a pretty competent playmaker in space. And you think if Kemba stays, you know. Jackson Hayes probably isn't ready to make a big winning contribution next season because he's so young, but, but maybe, you know, down the road overall, 75% of his field goal attempts were at the rim. He shot 85% of the rim. Um, another thing to keep an eye on too, basically showed nothing in the way of a jumper. Didn't even attempt a three pointer this season, but 74% from the line, 82% from the free throw line of big 12 play. So he's got some touch, um, and plus like this guy's a center. He's not a, he's not a four and a half. He's not a tweener. Like, and I just think that the shooting isn't that big of a red flag. I think he's got uh, switch potential. Good, uh, good on closeouts. Just got to work on his spatial awareness and pick and roll. But when he's playing locked in, he can, he can be, he can be impactful. Like he can, he can guard multiple guys. He can corral ball screens. Um, he shot well out of the post 59% on post-ups. I, I don't think I'm not super bullish on his post potential, but He's got he's got some touch. And um, look, I think this is a top 10. I think he's a top eight, top 10 talent. So if the Horns could get him at 12, I think there's a little value and it goes sort of to his best player available status. Um, Spencer, what do you think about Jackson Hayes after I just rambled there? Yeah, no, I think he did a really good job of <clears throat> laying out him as a prospect. I think he, he's a prospect in the purest way that you can define that word. Uh, he, he You know, he's going to take a year, probably two. Yeah. Um, he does a lot of things average to maybe slightly above average. I don't know that he does anything great. He's, he's a good shot blocker. I think that's potentially translatable. Um, you know, I mean, his athleticism and his fluidity of a guy that's seven feet tall, the seven, four wingspan is probably the biggest positive to me. You, you just look at him and his size and you see how he moves. And he's pretty graceful when you think, okay, we can build off of this. Um, to be honest with you, it reminds me a little bit of Miles Turner. I know that's like an yeah. easy no, uh, like comparison it. to make because because they're both Texas bigs. But like, you know, they're the same kind of not nuclear athletes, but all but very high level shot blockers that can impact the game around the rim. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I do think there's some things with Jack. He didn't have a big role in Texas offense. Right. They had some ball dominant guards. And, yep. and frankly, it's just. 
it's not how Shaka Smart has used his bigs traditionally to dump it into him and let him go to work. So, you know, I think there's probably some untapped skill here um, that we just don't know about. I mean, I, I don't know that he can't shoot the ball. You know, I know he yeah. didn't attempt <laughs> one at Texas, yeah. but, but like, you know, when you watch the guy play and those little short jumpers he attempted, I mean, the form doesn't look bad. So he's a little bit of a mystery guy to me, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I like what I see in terms of his athleticism and his size and he's, you know, there's all already a little bit of data and proof in the pudding that he can block shots and impact stuff around the rim. But beyond that, like, I do think he's a little bit of a mystery. And to build on that, I think I think that's probably why there's a pretty damn good chance he sneaks into the back end of the lottery unless he goes to the combine and just impresses everybody or has these private workouts, which will probably happen. And people are like, whoa, yeah. this guy is, is very, very skilled for his size. But I, there's just not a lot to like wrap your arms around with him yet. Uh, but yeah, I like him. I mean, I like him as a prospect and this look, this is the kind of athlete player size wide position that the Hornets need in the pipeline. So mm-hmm. I, no, I think it would be a fit. Um, all right, let's transition uh, to Grant Williams. Uh, you know, good prospect here, six, seven, 20 year old was a junior last year, Tennessee, Six seven, two 235 pounds is what Tennessee had him listed at. Um, that is a massive uh, piece of flesh, <laughs> e- yeah. even uh, for NBA standards. Um, he reminds me a lot of P.J. Tucker, uh, just in terms of size, in terms of how he impacts the game. You know, at 235 pounds, he moves pretty gracefully. He's a good defender. He's a versatile defender, can switch across positions, um, can also step out and, and corral a ball screen. Can get, can sprint back to his man, you know, can close out. So th- there's a lot to like here about Grant Williams defensively. I think he has a chance to step into the NBA next season and impact the game almost immediately there. But you know, it goes beyond that with Grant. I mean, he averaged almost 19 points a game this year. He was a rebound monster. I think offensive rebounding on the next level is going to be a, just a huge, huge uh, skill set for him, and in a way that any coach should try to use him. Um, seven point seven and a half rebounds per game this year. 3.2 assists. The guy can see the floor. Um, he can pass out of the post. He can read defenses on a short roll. I mean, he really is a high IQ player. A weird, a weird build and body. He's built like a block, like a Lego, but really a high <laughs> IQ guy. Um, and 32, 32% three-point shooter on a pretty decent volume last year. Mm-hmm. Um, when, you, when you watch uh, Tennessee play Auburn and Kentucky, they really picked on the bigs from Auburn and the bigs from Kentucky by putting Grant Williams as the screener and ball screens a lot and popping him. And like specifically in those, well, they played Kentucky three times and then play Auburn twice, I think. But go, just go back and watch those games. It was clearly a part of the offensive scheme. And Grant Williams knocked down some huge threes in both of those games. So I, I think he can translate to being a good, a good three point shooter in the NBA, certainly a good corner three point shooter. Um, Turnover rate was a little bit of an issue for him last year. Um, and, and the last thing with him is he's a steals and he's a blocks guy. I mean, and that is what, yeah, he, he really impacts the game at his position consistently across those two, uh, those two stats. So, look, I like Greg Williams. Uh, you know, I think he's an immediate role player in the NBA. He's 20 years old, so not young, but not incredibly old. Um, you know, in this draft class. And again, he just reminds me a lot of P.J. Tucker. I think he has the ability 
and athleticism to be a better player than Tucker. And the last thing I'll say about Williams is he can reach that potential. If he, I think he, he can shed 10 pounds, maybe mm-hmm. 15. Uh, it's 6'7", 220. I think maybe you can unlock a little bit more athleticism than, than when you're playing at 235. But, you know, you're drawing straws at that point. But I really like him as a prospect, and he's, he's got a very high floor. I think, I think he's a safe pick. Yeah, I agree. He's a good floor pick. Uh, I think that we'll have to unpack this more some other time, but I think the the fit with Bridges is is something worth discussing. I think I think it can work. I think there's a little bit of redundancy, but like I think it could work. And I think actually some of that overlap, I, I kind of like having two three and a halfs on a roster. He feels like a guy that would have been similar to PJ Tucker. Like there wasn't a role for this kind of tweener in the NBA a decade ago, and now. Um, yeah, like, like he could, he could be anything. He could be a, he could be a star role player. You know, I mean, we can, you're watching playoffs, uh, you know, right now with the Rockets and Warriors, PJ Tucker's keeping Houston afloat. Like he's the only guy that can even have a shot guarding Durant, um, and his whatever, but like Williams, I'm impressed with his, he's just a very good basketball player. Like his overall, you watch him and the tape backs up the overall impact numbers that you look at. He can really pass. He looks like a guy that on on cuts and short rolls, a guy that can make an extra pass. Very good at passing out of the post to the cutters, looking at the opposite wing for shooters. Um, the perimeter defense, I think there's some, I think there's some work to be done there. You know, how many positions can he be a primary defender on? I think that's I think that's a question that uh, is worth having. I think right now it might only be, you know, one or two positions. I think he struggles against some some twitchier guys, but if he loses a little bit more weight, and he, as which he has the last couple of years, he, keep, he keeps getting better and better. Um, man, I think he'd be a really, really good player. There's some other sort of like intangible stuff too, as to why I think he would be a good pick for the Hornets. First off, he's from Charlotte. <laughs> he played at Providence yeah. Day. Like there, there's a hometown angle there. Like he's the he, you know he got out like like PJ Tucker for different reasons, but this guy got out of state. You know for college basketball, PJ it was grades. With, with Grant Williams, it was certainly not great because this guy almost played basketball at Yale. Um, his mom is literally a NASA engineer. Uh, I think he's going to crush the interviews. He likes to play chess. He's into music. I, I like having smart, thoughtful basketball players on a roster. I, I think that helps having a guy that can be analytical and stuff too. Like I like that, but he, he not, I don't think of him as – as um, a guy that's going to overthink the game, like he's a, he's, he's a basketball player. And so I think there's a lot to like, and I think he's just a really, really good player. And there's something to be said about simply drafting good basketball players at the back end of the lottery. And I think he'd be a, a great fit with the Hornets again, even though there's some concerns defensively and a little bit of redundancy with bridges. Yeah. I, and last thing on, on Williams and, and that was, as well said about you know his personality he has some cool stories out there bg and and underrated that was kind of like admiral schofield also his his front court mate in tennessee yeah. also very well spoken and articulate yeah, an know. underrated theme for uh for that tennessee team Pretty but cool. defensively his most discernible skill i think is just like being able to switch across front court positions and not get bullied because yeah. every single season in the playoffs when the game slows down Teams are hunting mismatches, and there's just that one or two guys on those playoff teams that you can't hide. And, and, and they just get put into these situations, and 
you just get punished all over the floor because those guys can't hold up closer to the basket. Grant Williams is going to be able to do that. I think you can like live with him getting switched onto a seven footer, not named Joel Embiid, and feel pretty good <laughs> about him, yeah. you know, being able to hold his own ground. So, anyways, I didn't talk a lot about his defense. Just wanted to get that in there. Perfect. I I agree with you. I think this guy's built for the postseason because he's a. You know, I think he's a switch beater with his passing, and he, he himself is a very good post up player too. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in. We hope you guys enjoyed getting to know the new play-by-play guy, John Fokey, and learned a little bit about Jackson Hayes of Texas and Grant Williams of Tennessee. Be sure to give our podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. It definitely goes a long way. For Brian and Spencer, I am Richie. We will see you guys next time. Go Hornets. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.